So, back in South Africa, one of our favorite TV shows on the Discovery Channel was Life Below Zero. So, Life Below Zero is all about people that live in the far north corners of Alaska and how they survive by hunting and living in places where temperatures go well below minus 15. And one of our favorite people that we love watching was a lady called Sue Aikens. Sue Aikens lived in a place called Kivik that is 317 kilometers from the Arctic Circle. Every December, Sue would prepare for blizzard season. So what she will do, she will tie a rope onto her house that would lead all the way to the shed and then to the next house and the next building and the next building. Because when blizzard season comes, that will be her lifeline to walk from building to building where she needs to end up getting to the generator to refuel it for heat in her, in her, in her house. You see, when blizzard season arrives, we get winds that's in the excess of 60 to 100 kilometers per hour, and this is their main part of survival. That, and I found that blizzard, our, their blizzards is similar to our blizzards in our lives. Many have lost our way spiritually in the whiteout blizzards of this world. So what are our blizzards, you may ask? Our blizzards come when we say yes to too many things. When we become addicted to things like hurry, frantic, preoccupied, fatigue, and starve for time. When we feel guilty of not doing anything. That's when overproductivity becomes counterproductive. When all this happens, we can become detached from our lifeline. And our lifeline is called Jesus. You see, Jesus offered us a rope that keeps us from getting lost. This rope that Jesus offers consistently leads us back home. And John 14, verses 6, he says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to me or come to the Father except through me. This might sound quite limiting that there's only one way, but we should be grateful that God has given us a true way to get to Him. In the book, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, Peter Cazero mentioned two ways that I find extremely good and that we'll be looking at this morning, that to, not to us to lose our grip on our lifeline. And the first one we're going to look at is called the daily office. And then the second one will be the, the Sabbath. You see, the daily office, Peter Gazzaro just not just write this for the sake of it. No, he experienced similar whiteouts and blizzards in his life. He says that in the morning he'll wake up and he'll have his devotion. But by midday, he cannot call himself a Christian anymore. You see, I find this quite similar in my life. Three, two years ago, I, was, I had a job where I'd start work at six o'clock. So that means I'll get up at four and it'll be nice and quiet. It'll be peaceful. All the birds will still be sleeping and I'll make my coffee and I'll have my devotion and I'll get in the car at about 5.30 
and there'll hardly be any people on the road, and I get to work, you know, ready for the day. But by nine o'clock, I'll get this phone call from my wife where she's saying, not often, but she's saying, I can't do this anymore. These kids are driving me insane. They just not feeling it. And I'm like, but my love, what's, what's the matter? What can be so difficult getting kids ready for school? <laughs> like, honestly, you know, like I wake up, and it's quiet. The kookaburras haven't even been laughing yet. So how could it be that difficult? And then God blessed me with an extremely good job. I can go to work at 7.30 now. But by 7 o'clock, I want to run out of the house because I wake up and it's, Dad, I want toast. Dad, where's my shoes? And sometimes one of the kids wake up and they just don't feel it, you know? They just don't feel like they want to do it. So, yeah, I know exactly how he feels. And you see, stopping for the daily office and the Sabbath is not too meant to add another thing to our busy schedule. You see, it's creating a place where we can reset our entire lives towards a new destination. A new destination that's God. It offers us a rhythm powerful enough to anchor us in life. So what is a daily office, you might ask? It's a place that we create throughout the day where we surrender ourselves and put our trust in God. And where we can talk and give Him thanks. Giving God thanks fills the cup to proceed with the day. The Bible even talks about Jesus stepping away from the busyness to spend time with God. And Luke chapter 5, 16, it says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear Him preach and, then, and to be healed from their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew from the wilderness in prayer. Many things glamour our attention, and we often, we often run ourselves ragged attending to them. Like Jesus, we should take time to withdraw from life to deserted places to spend time with God. You see, strength comes from God. We can only be strengthened by spending time with God. And Mark chapter 1, verses 35, it says, Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to spend time with God. I wonder if sometimes if the disciples got upset with, pray, with Jesus, that he kept praying in solitude, where there was so much ministry to be done. You see, it's too easy to get caught up in ministry and life that we neglect sometimes a time of solitude our individual prayer, and perhaps we need to redesign our schedules to find earnest time for prayer with God. And the daily office, it gives us that time to be with Jesus in prayer. We look at David that practiced prayer seven times a day. In Psalm 119 verse 164, it says, seven days I praised you for your righteous law. And Daniel 3, it says, Oh, Daniel 6, sorry. Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he's done before. You see, all these people realize that stopping for the daily office with God is the key to creating a continental and easy familiarity 
with God's presence for the rest of the day. And also, it's not about the length. It's about the regular time that you spent with God throughout the day. So four things we're going to look at under the daily Sabbath, or the, the daily office. And the first one is stopping. The essence of the daily office is not the number of offices each day. That's our time, it's our time with God. It's the unhurried, so that we, re- that we read scriptures and that it sinks in deeply into our spirit. The second one is centering. In Psalm 37, verses 7, it, the scripture commands us, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 46, verses 10, it says, be still and know I am God. We must move into God's presence and we must rest. We have a tentative and open to what God wants us to, to say to us in that moment. The third one is silence. Dallas Willard called silence and solitude the two most radical disciplines in a Christian life. Solitudes is a practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God. Silence is a practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. See, God revealed himself to Elijah in 1 Kings 19 in sheer silence. You probably wonder, how do we hear silence? Is when we are in the full presence of Jesus. The fourth one is scripture. Other than Isaiah, Jesus quotes the book of Psalms the most. Find the scripture, meditate on it, read it often. You see, the book of Psalms gamuts every aspect of life experience. So, the first one was stop. The third, the second one was centering. And then it was silence and then scripture. If we apply this to our daily lives, we'll definitely see a a difference. The second topic that we're looking at this morning is the Sabbath. In the book of Genesis, 2 verses 2, we read, By the seventh day God has finished his work that he has been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work, then God blessed the seventh day. Because of on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he has done. By us having a rest day on the seventh day, we imitate God's stopping and working from rest, or resting from work, sorry. But some of us might be working on the seventh day, but that's fine, just as long as we create that day where we can spend time with God. Sabbath is an invitation from God to help us slow down and grab hold of the rope that he offers us. In the book of Exodus, where we read about the Ten Commandments, we can see that the commandment that God gives us regarding the Sabbath is the longest. And I'll read that to you. Remember to observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. You have six days each week to, for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day. Day to re- reset dedicated to God. On that day, no one in your household may work. This includes your son, daughters, males, and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigner living among you. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the seventh day, and that's why it's called the Sabbath. You see, God observed the seventh day to believe, to confirm that it's the center of our lives. Peter Cazera gives us the biblical Sabbath. First one that, will, that he's looking at is called stop, rest, and then delight, and then contemplate. So we'll look at those four things this morning. And the first one that we will look at is stop. As humans, we struggle to stop because if we stop, dishes don't get done, washing don't get done. And, you know, the men kind of like that. You know, handing over control makes us stress because we know if we're not going to do anything, nothing's going to get done. But the most amazing thing about this is that Jesus knows that we are only human and that we will start stressing when we hand over everything. That's why in Psalm 46 verses 10 he says, God says, be still and know I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. In Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 33, it says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds you, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can't you, can, you, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory dressed all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the wildflowers today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why don't you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, we will, what we will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate our thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom first and, and above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need. You see, God knows and he has put everything in place. And the second one that falls under the Sabbath is rest. Once we've stopped, the Sabbath calls us to rest. God rested after his work. We read that in Genesis 2, verses 1 to 4. So what do we do now that we're resting and that we're stopping? We can do whatever. We can go to the beach. We can go and watch a movie. The men can go and play golf. And they can have a nap. Or we can go for a picnic. But it's the time that we spent with our family and with God. Then the third one is delight. When we have stopped and rested, let's take delight in our blessings. Take delight in God's creation. William Blake, 
It's so amazing. An English poet says, See the world and a grain of sand, and a heaven and a wild flower. You see, for me, the most amazing thing is when I take delight in God, we used to live close to a town called Mshlanga Rocks, and you used to drive down from the mountain towards Mshlanga, and you could see the vastness of the ocean. And all the ships were all anchored, ready to go into Durban Harbor, and they were these tiny little ships, but they were not far away from the coast, probably three kilometers. But as soon as you got to the harbor entrance, they were humongous. They were these massive ships. And then when you stood at the top of the mountain, you actually realized how big God is. And the most amazing thing about it for me is that the bigness and the vastness of the ocean is that God loves me. So every time when I go to the beach, I delight myself. The, that the God that created all this loves me. The fourth one is to contemplate. Pondering of the love of God remains the center focus of the Sabbath. Every Sabbath service is a taste of the internal party that waits us in heaven. We must think of the Sabbath as holy to the Lord. Throughout the Jewish, throughout the Jewish history, Sabbath includes worship, Feasting in his presence, reading and studying, and silence. This is the way Saturdays remain ideal for the time of Sabbath. Think it like this. Sabbath give us the taste of something greater that awaits us, giving us an internal perspective when the kingdom of God will come and we will have internal Sabbath and a feast in God's presence. Just the, I would like us all to close our eyes quickly. Just imagine you've got heaps of meetings. You've got deadlines that you've got to get to. The kids have got exams. And you get out of bed and you open up the window and it's just snow. As high as the windowsill and you put on the radio and it says that everything has been cancelled. Every single meeting, the roads are closed, the schools are closed, and you've got the whole day just to do nothing. You stay in your slippers, you walk around the house, and everything that you want to do, you could do. You see, that's what Jesus wants for us 52 times a year. We must prepare our Sabbath and the Jewish customs they did the day before. As we're stopping, resting, and delighting, we need to prepare our Sabbath. You see, you can open up your eyes. You see, enjoying that moment where we've got nothing to do and we could be in the presence of God is the thing that will fill us cup, or fill our cup to help us move forward and not to let go of the lifeline that Jesus has given us. God knew that people of Israel needed more than a Sabbath day. So he gave them sabbatical years. This took great faith as they had to trust God for provision in the Sabbath year. I love what Justin said in a message a few weeks ago about God who made us and knows how to heal us. And I feel that this is relative to the Sabbath as God knows that it's important for us to stop, to rest and delight and contemplate in him. He knows what's good for us. So I'll finish up with this morning 
where it says God invites us to hold on to the rope during the blizzard of our life that he can lead us back to him. The daily office and the Sabbath summons us to slow down to his rhythm. Thomas Merlin says that when we are busier than God requires, we do violence upon ourselves. And the most amazing thing is this, this week or this month before a couple of weeks, I've applied this to my life and I've seen an extreme difference. How I could deal with the day and the daily stress and how we've got to a Saturday where we just don't do anything and how we've seen the change in our personal lives. So I urge you this week, take time throughout the day even if it's just a couple of seconds or just a couple of minutes. Put your phone away. Put the computer off. Go and walk in the garden and just have that time with God. You know, God wants to spend that time with you. He's, he's probably sitting waiting, waiting for you to open up and say, God, what would you like me to, to hear from you? The most amazing prayer that Peter says in this book, and I'd like to finish up with this prayer. He says, Lord, help me to grab hold of you as my rope in the blizzard today. I need you. The idea of stopping to be with you two or three times a day seems overwhelming, but I know I need you. Show me the way. Teach me prayerfully and attentive to you. The idea of the Sabbath will require a lot of change in my way and the way I'm living life. Lead me, Lord, in how to take the next step with this. Help me to trust you and that in all that will remain unfinished. To not to try and run your world for you. Set me free to begin reiterating my life around you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.